0: Movies and booze, I'm Moncrief on News Talk. Five three one zero six is our text number. That'll cost you thirty cents. You can follow us on Twitter or send us an email to afternoon at newstalk.com It is time for movies and booze once again. Chris Wasser, Annette Freeman, and Dean McGuinness uh, uh, join us uh, around the table. Good afternoon uh, to you all. Hello, Sean. Hello, uh, hello Sean. Uh, Chris, I want to start with you because we did interview Chicky, the the guy who was uh, uh, the Zach Efron's character is based on. Yes. in uh, The the is it the best beer run ever? The greatest beer run the ever. The greatest beer run ever. Yeah. Uh, and. Uh, it's an extraordinary story. It is. You d- you as a film you kind of almost to just just film that and you know yeah, yeah. you're done well, should be extraordinary
1: I was kind of hoping that maybe Cheeky Donahue himself John Donahue is the real name that that he would just sit in front of the camera and, and tell it to us but uh, what, when, when you were talking to John Donahue does does he give any sort of indication as to like when he was going over to Vietnam did he realise how serious it was going to be did he realise he was going to maybe come no. back in a coffin
0: no there was a kind of a sense of oblivion uh, about it now he struck me as a fella who was very Charming, yeah, uh, um, but but kind of hands in the pockets, wandering around the place, you know, yeah. and and he, he like he told this story about that he was. I I don't know where he was but in some part of Vietnam and a child saw him and ran away from him screaming in terror Yeah. and this completely surprised Jiggy that why would uh, why, why would a child be terrified of an invading army oh, um, yeah, yeah, and he he thought because he was surprised because he wasn't wearing a uniform as opposed to that's a white man in my country and I know what they're doing here
1: Oh, uh, is it? but Zach Efron is playing him exactly as you say uh, it's Peter Farley he's uh, one half of the Farley brothers but he went out on his own a few years ago and picked up a couple of Oscars for yeah. Green Book uh, he's yeah. the one that's directing this
0: yeah that's, that's an had one. Actually, um, a point you might be, because uh, I know you were wondering about this, right. that about the beer. That he did bring a load of beer with him on this boat yes. over to Vietnam, but he drank all the beer on the boat. Oh, okay. Yeah, so that's why he wasn't wandering around with three <laughs> crates of cr- crates of beer in his back, killing time, himself.
1: The whole time in the film, I was thinking, okay, if you even if you're built like Zac Efron, he puts all of these cans of beers into his duffel bag and he has them for a few months, and when he gets to Vietnam, he's handing them out to his friends. And I was thinking, even if
0: you're built like Zac, your back's <laughs> gonna be broken after <laughs> half a day. That was what actually happened, as it turned yeah. out. And hocus pocus too. Now I know it's kind of weird that like everyone everyone's very excited about this but then maybe they're not old enough to remember when Hocus Pocus 1 came out it was like meh
1: Yeah, we'll get into it in a while. But uh, uh, I I think there might be a bit of a revisionist history when it comes to remembering how good or bad Hocus Pocus was because it was never a good film. And I think the sequel is a little bit unwarranted. But yeah, we'll come back to it.
0: Okay, right. And and Dean, uh, are we celebrating Oktoberfest?
2: Oktoberfest, yeah. We're on German beers because we're just at the kind of culmination of Oktoberfest. Oktoberfest is the last uh, two weeks running into the first Sunday of October. So technically... There's only two days of Oktoberfest this year in October, and the rest of it is in September. All right,
0: okay. Uh, so they're they're nearly finished it now. Yep, People are getting uh, pumped out as we speak. D- 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh,
2: Misses are being massaged. You have <laughs> the girls going around with the lederstains. Uh, so yes, we've got Meisel's Dunkel, the Dunkelbier. Uh, it's a dark wheat beer and Einger Barish Pils, and we'll be having a look at firsts and seconds So uh, what comes first and what comes second in terms of some beer history?
0: Okay, what well, it means in, in what
2: order you're supposed to drink these beers well that as well but also in a kind of a chicken and egg sense
0: right okay yes. alright yeah. I'll I, I leave it on, the, on uh, that intriguing point point. Uh, and Annette uh, your first story it's kind of sad but also interesting that, that Bruce Willis has kind of sold himself to be a deep fake
3: yes so um, this story uh, it's uh, that Bruce Willis is going to become the first Hollywood actor to sell his rights to allow a digital twin of him to be created for use on screen um, so it's actually off the bat of uh, an American firm using his face uh, last year in an advert, in a phone advert, um, with this type of deep fake technology. The company that are doing it, they're called Deep Cake and they use technology to allow people's likenesses to be superimposed onto another individual so that, say, somebody could be in another continent or wherever and they can take part in adverts and movies. But it is quite poignant because, obviously, Bruce Willis is no longer acting. He's ill. Mm. He's got a disease which is affecting his language. Phasia, his language and his speech. Um, But this will obviously allow him to continue to act in a way um, despite his illness. Yeah, I
0: wonder will they get him to to talk Well, they haven't said as far as I know but I wonder will he try to talk in these things as well? Uh,
3: I don't know. I'm not sure about that. It's it's, it's hard to know. Like obviously the the technology has been tried and tested already because it was used with the Fast and the Furious movie where obviously Paul Walker one of the main stars there passed away during production of the 7 series and they used this technology for him to be able to exit the production of Fast and Furious 7 in a more dignified way Mm. Um, but yeah so it, it also throws up so many questions around like you know, actors who are dead and gone been on stage with modern day actors and what can be achieved around using this uh, yeah, type of technology? Yeah, they've kind of done that kind of thing before,
0: haven't they? they? Oh, they really yeah. have,
1: yeah. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, right. oh, they, well, they did it a little bit in, in the last Star Wars as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, one they, of the Star Wars that's features true. Creatures yes, where you it had was, um, Carrie Fisher's image uh, used and if a couple of the guards around the place too. But I think there's an awful lot of ethical and moral, moral questions there. it's, that a, it's an, But in
0: this instance, given he's licensed it, like yeah. if they bring out a new, you know, diehard, like, is it starring Bruce Willis or starring fake Bruce Willis? Or, or you know, how does that work exactly? Well, I guess yeah. it's going
3: to be starring fake Bruce Willis if you yeah. see a diehard driver. that it was actual credit
0: they'll give. Fake Bruce Willis is <laughs> <laughs> John McClane. <McLean. laughs> Uh, yeah,
3: but it's pointing, but also it's quite nice that we can still see his face if you are a Bruce ah, Willis fan, yeah. and you know for his family that he can still and you know I guess he makes money out of this as well does he oh, no, yeah of I'm course sure he does, does. Yeah, yeah he's, he's licensed to, it. yeah, so um who else is going to do it um
0: but if he's licensed, <laughs> <laughs> does he have no say so now like <laughs> so money be advertising all sorts of crap. <laughs>
1: but like he was he was doing all sorts of crap even in the run that's true
0: yeah, yeah true god bless him he yeah. Was, yeah. Uh, It was yeah It was. a bit of a up of on everything yeah. now yeah. <laughs> it will be yeah the STD yeah afterwards. that's yeah, right be. yeah <laughs> 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 your, next, your next Dunstor's advert will be
1: I remember seeing this terribly sad story that Bruce Willis was doing you know five six maybe seven films a year and that screenplays would be sent on to his manager and agent and obviously at the time his health was starting to deteriorate and they'd look at the screenplay and they'd look at the, num- uh, the amount of dialogue that Bruce Willis had and they say half that because it's just yeah. yeah. I mean even even then he might struggle with it. And like even before he got sick, he could be notoriously lazy, but it went at this stage of his career in his life, he just wasn't able for it, but he did as much as he could to make as much money as he could because he knew he was going to be retiring. I
0: think that's what he, what he was doing there. Yeah, yeah. crikey! Uh, and right there's another Halloween movie. Is this like the 19,000th Halloween movie? <laughs> Clearly, ha- yeah. it's
3: going to be the 14th Halloween yeah. movie. Jeez. It's called Halloween Ends. And like, would you like? You know, in fairness, you would have guessed it's released at Halloween, and it wouldn't really be Halloween without Jamie Lee Curtis. I know it would. In, oh, would <laughs>
0: <laughs> in all fairness, it's you to actually <laughs> have a Halloween. Completely unencumbered by a Halloween movie. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> it's been publicised as Laurie Strode's last stand. This is definitely the last stand, okay, with Michael Myers after forty-four years of movies, yes. of, like the duration of yeah, forty-four years, like, 13 40 years.
0: Like he's been killing people for, like he's literally beating them to death with his Zimmer frame <laughs> but at this point. Is that know, the only work? person
3: he hasn't killed is Laurie? Um, yeah, he's killed her daughter in the last series. He killed her daughter Karen. Like I think they racked up like fifty uh casualties, could you say, in the last minute like fifty people were killed in the last Halloween movie, but he didn't manage to get her. But um I couldn't bring myself to watch the trailer. Like I'm super spooked by this sort of stuff. I would never watch a scary movie ever. Right. Okay ever. So yeah. but I believe there's lots of screaming and lots of gore in the trailer. And uh yeah, so um, we don't know. Well, I suppose
0: well, you know they're just like it's, it, money it's again. a franchise and yeah. like
3: you know it's it's bigger than just the movie. There's books, there's 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 lots of merchandise around it. It's you know people buy into that Halloween thing and it's out in in the cinemas obviously on the 14th of October and um, it's going to be released on a streaming service as well called Peacock. So there's loads of opportunity to watch it and they'll capitalise on the time of year it is because obviously that window is quite small. But for. it won't it won't
0: be the last Halloween movie. I'm I guessing. I'd
3: be very but apparently it is the last stand between the two of them
0: uh, yeah but that doesn't mean the last movie so you know
3: yeah it could come back in other like guises and stuff
0: yeah uh, there'd be some peripheral character they'll bring <laughs> yeah, back br-
3: or you know <laughs> if just, anyone's alive Sean they'll just um, deep
0: fake everyone
3: yeah <laughs> <laughs>
1: Bruce well, this is going to be in the next. Yes, yes yeah, absolutely.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's what's going to
2: happen. Right, Dean, let's uh, let's have a beer. Okay, yeah. So the first beer we're tasting is Meissel's Dunkelbier. So it comes from a family of beers called wheat beers, and wheat beers um, have smaller subfamilies. So you have German wheat beers, and then beers like uh, Wit beer from Belgium would fall under the wheat beer, and unusually, uh, lambic beers as well fall under wheat beers, even though they taste quite different. They're quite sour. Now within the family of German wheat beers then, the one that we would be most familiar with would be a Hefeweiss which is a kind of a golden coloured cloudy wheat beer. Mm. And most people assume because that's the one they are exposed to first that's the one that comes first and then the other ones are kind of derivatives uh, from it. But this would actually be the original wheat beer. um, Because uh, if you look back historically um, they didn't have the technology going back two, three hundred years ago to produce pale malts. When they were producing malts, the malt always had some colour in it, and it's the uh, colour from the grain that gives the beer its colour. So this is kind of the original wheat beer, Dunkelweiss. Mm-hmm. Now, with a wheat beer, the uh, things that you have that make it a wheat beer, uh, this is very technical, there's wheat in it. Mm. Uh,
0: <laughs> yeah. Intriguing! Yes, I know, you never <laughs> would have guessed,
2: and, and given that it's a wheat ale, there's ale yeast used yeah. in, in brewing it. It's a very specific type of ale yeast. It's uh, what's called a puff positive yeast, um, which means that it's a yeast that is uh, genetically able to produce certain types of flavours called phenolic flavours so the flavours that fall into that category would be uh, flavours like clove, uh, cinnamon, nutmeg, things like that. Uh, So they're kind of spicy flavours and the classic flavours that you'd get in wheat beers generally would be ripe banana, the fruity from the uh, ale yeast side of things and then uh, clove from the uh, puff positive ale yeast uh, side of things. So with this one then you also have flavour from the dark malt, which is kind of caramel raisin, um, burnt sugar type flavour. So you get a kind of a, a beer pudding type flavour. Uh, yes, it is of. a little bit
0: like that, yeah. yeah. Uh,
2: fruity, uh, ripe right banana, a little bit of peach and apple as well in the finish and uh, very, very low on uh, bitterness. Uh, so with a lot of beers, um, bitterness is used to balance out the sweetness in the beer. And with this, with flavours like caramel and with uh, fruity flavours in it, you get a certain amount of sweetness. But with wheat beers, they use the spiciness. So the clove flavour in it kind of balances it out. You also get a certain amount of cinnamon and nutmeg as well that kind of provides a bit of balance. It is a very Christmassy kind of beer. It's really, yeah, well, getting into it's the kind of kinda cold kinda weather would, and the, Yeah. The the the, the beer uh, gets a bit darker as the Yeah, the you would gets drink that darker. in front of an open fire if you were allowed to have one. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, you'll have yeah. it in front of your deep fake open fire, <laughs> <laughs> you would you yeah. have your but your actual real beer. Also unusually refreshing. Uh, yeah, like it's it's a very clean, very easy drinking uh, beer, but uh, and I think the, the dark color as well really makes you feel like it's a comfort beer, you know, the type of thing that you'd sit down and, and kind of enjoy in in the evening. And you'd eat it because
0: there are actually uh, that dunk, those dongles always remind me of Germany. Actually, I always got what I would love now is a, is a bit of verse with a, on a piece of dirty black bread. But, you know they give it to you in pubs in Germany. Yeah, yeah. You know that it always reminds me of that it's lovely. Yeah. God, the farce would kill you though. After that, <laughs> right? Okay, uh, you are listening to the Moncrief Show on News Talk. Uh, we'll take a break after that. Should we do the greatest beer run ever? Chris? We shall? Okay, we'll do that. Back in a couple of minutes. Movies and booze. I'm Moncrief on News Talk.
2: Are you ready? What are we doing?
0: We're gonna run
2: for our lives. I'm Chickie Donahue, and I am not supposed to be in Vietnam.
0: Hey! Get your ass out of bed, you lazy bum. Look at you, sleeping
2: your life away. Look at these scumbags.
0: you're embarrassing yourself and you're embarrassing your family.
2: Do these protesters not know? that our soldiers see that on TV? I'd like to go over to Vietnam, track down all the boys in the neighborhood and give them a beer. I could do that. Do what? Bring him beer.
0: He's not serious. He's hammered. Look at him. The man stoned sober. That's his fifth beer, maybe. Tops. I'm going to Vietnam, and I'm bringing a beer! Yeah! Hey, Chief, no chance you have a ship heading to Vietnam. 1,700 hours. Tonight, it's not going to be easy. But I'm going to show them that this country is still behind them.
3: You're going to get yourself killed over there.
0: It's like you said, everyone's doing something. I'm doing nothing. There you go. That's uh, the greatest beer run ever. It's available on Apple TV Plus from today. Uh, I think that uh, clip we played there kind of gave the at least the premise of, of yeah. that, the inciting incident: man is drunk in bar. Yes, uh, uh, is pretty much it. Yeah, and there are probably stories like that all over Ireland. What, <laughs> yes. does,
1: what, what, what challenge did you accept after five beers? Uh, yeah, and on first inspection, even when you hear that, you think this is going to be a hit for Zac Efron because God knows he. he it's not that he needs it but he deserves it because I think he always gives the best performance in anything he's in unfortunately he makes an awful lot of crap Um, but you've got Peter Farrelly in the director's chair and in Mm. the writer's chair and I mean the last time we saw him he was picking up two Oscars he won uh, an Oscar for Best Picture for Best uh, Original Screenplay for um, Green Book with Viggo Mortensen and Mahersha Ali Uh, just a little reminder for anyone who who hasn't or you know because it's been so long I mean this film was released before the world ended Uh, it was I thought a, a very well played and very well choreographed uh, a reconstruction of this relationship between this italian-american uh, uh, bouncer played by Vigo Mortensen and an african-american musician Mahershala Ali and how the two of them come together in 1960s New York and Vigo's character becomes his chauffeur and his bouncer for this mm. you know eight-week tour around America and it was kind of exploring kind of like the limitations for African-american performers around that time and it was you know kind of it was criticized for its disnified approach to you know American history for race relations in the 1960s but I thought the performance has elevated it and the screenplay was it was it was it never tried to be anything other than what it is and it yeah. was also nice to see one half of the Farley brothers the guys who gave us dumb and dumber who gave us the something about mary actually try something you know out of his comfort zone for a change and with you know with the uh, with the greatest beer of all ever I think Peter Farley is trying to repeat that trick but he's a little bit in over his head. So he's got a great story and a, and a decent enough cast. And you heard most of it there. Cheeky Donahue, he's this, you know, boozy layabout. He's not doing anything with, with his life. I think he might be in his late 20s. I spent the whole time wondering, how old is Cheeky Donahue supposed to be in this thing? But, you know, Zac Efron could play someone in his 20s. There yeah. we go. Uh, he's in the bar one night with his buds, all of his neighborhood pals and the Colonel, who's their favorite pub owner, played by Bill Murray. They support the war in Vietnam. Some of them have even enlisted. And they're starting to hear stories back about how some of them have, are, you know, MIA, Others are dead. They have a few beers. And for no reason whatsoever, the barman says, I'd love to go over there and give all those lads a beer. And he thinks I'll do it. The next morning he wakes up and thinks, crap, I have to do the entire news spreads around the entire neighborhood. He has to do this thing. Mm. And he goes off. And the thing is, he he supports the war and straight away. And he's saying stuff like, you know, the government wouldn't lie to us. And this is obviously a war we're supposed to be fighting. And it's one we're winning. You, you know, you don't win a prize for guessing what happens after two hours, you know, like yeah. what he's going to think about it. But yeah, he's over there. He doesn't realize how dangerous, dangerous it is. He somehow manages to, you know, stay alive. He doesn't get his head blown off. He meets his friends. He gives them beers. This is not really a spoiler. It's basically just ch- watch Zach Efron running around, uh, uh, you know, a uh, reconstructed Vietnam, bumping into <laughs> war photographer's play for Russell Crowe and not getting killed.
0: Yeah, he's, given he, like, he's very Irish American, but yeah. he's like, it's like Paddy on the Lash in Vietnam oh, in yeah. the 60s. That's, yeah the gist of it but like the the real fella like he was he was literally hardly off the boat and he met some fella he knew from the bar whose name was uh, John Collins or something Uh, uh, you know uh, and so then he led him to somebody else and then he saw a guy with a badge and said you know so and so oh yeah I know so and so I'll fly you down there and it was that was the way he kind of Went around the place.
1: Oh yeah, I mean, there's a great line in there. Uh, one of the few decent lines that where a supporting character season going around with his beer, season dropping things all the time, and just avoiding getting himself killed. And says that guy over there. Every once in a while, you you run into a guy who's too dumb to get himself killed, and you know he's going to be all right. But his friends are like, "What what are you doing? and Do you not realize how dangerous this is?" So yeah, it is a great story. It's a it's an incredible story. I would love to sit down with Chicky Donohue and actually have him, you know, recount it for me. But I think in Peter Farrelly's hands. He doesn't. He doesn't really know how to tell it properly. It's, mm. it's very broad. It's surface. It, it wants to be you know this uh, you know gripping political drama uh, you know in one corner, but it's wrestling all of the time with this very hammy comedy where not enough a lot of the punchlines actually land. And then in the middle of it all, you've got Russell Crowe. And Russell Crowe is one of those performers. Zach Efron, I should say, is decent in this, but he's acting off of Russell Crowe, this war photographer that cheeky meets. He's become one of those performers crow that just shows up in everything but doesn't really leave a mark anymore. But Mm. he just, but it's no, it's no, it's no more longer a surprise to actually see him. You know, he might even be sitting behind you there, Sean. (laughs) Actually, he is. I'm sitting on him at the moment. (laughs) He just shows up, phones it in and then goes home. And I'm thinking, what happened, Russell? You know, you used to, you you used to be the gladiator. What's going on? So, look, there are some good things about this. This is Marlon
0: Brando territory. It
1: is Marlon Brando territory. yeah. Yeah. And he's constantly holding a camera. And that's interesting that you should say that because I was thinking to myself, he keeps looking at the camera. Are his lines on it? What's going on? What? what why is he just? You know, mm. I don't. Hopefully, hope, hopefully that's not the case. But uh, no, look, great performance with Zac Efron. An awful lot of goodwill there and, and an awful lot of heart, but it just doesn't really know what it's what it's supposed to be doing. And I think in the hands of a better filmmaker, one who clearly there are to, there are times in this thing where I'm thinking Peter Farley wants to go back to making silly comedies. It should have gone to someone else. Someone else should have been telling this story.
0: Yeah, because Tony, it, it, it sounds like it might be challenging because it's to continue with Marlon Brando, it's on the one hand Apocalypse now and on the other hand it's some kind of knockabout comedy it is yeah. Dumb and Dumber yeah, and, and, and it's hard to mesh those two things together yeah but if you're going to make a comedy
1: about what is at times an absurd and you know unintentionally hilarious story you should lean in hard on that or lean in hard on the drama you can't just you, you can't not commit to to, to both of those mm. so it just plays it very surface level very safe for, for, for the entire running time and that running time is quite long you're looking at about 2 hours and 15 minutes so it was a bit of a Whoa. slog but I will I'll stick with Zac Efron, Sean. I just... That guy, you know, he's played Ted Bundy, he's shown up in a JFK drama and now he's, you know, trying to, you know, clearly... I think maybe Zac Efron went into this thinking there might be a bit of an awards buzz. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm collaborating with, you know, an Oscar-winning filmmaker. This guy will eventually... You know get he, the role that, 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 that he yeah. deserves but it's not this one
0: okay ah poor Zach the fact that it's on Apple TV Plus uh, did they just pay for it entirely or is it there because they don't have the confidence to stick it in the cinema think Apple,
1: Apple TV Plus is starting to finance some 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 great films I mean last year they had the tragedy of Macbeth this year they've got the new Scorsese they've got a new uh, Christmas Carol with uh, with Ryan uh, not uh, not the Gosling the Reynolds one yes. uh, <laughs> you know there, there, there is you know they are pumping money into some serious films but usually what you'd see is maybe uh, a cinema release for a week or two before it's an apple we're not getting that with this one Yeah, okay. All
0: right, fair enough. Uh, Right, speaking of uh, uh, Oscars, uh, Cartoon Saloon in Kilkenny, Paul Young and all the people down there who've been nominated for loads of them, they have a new movie coming out.
3: They sure do, yes. My Father's Dragon, I did watch the trailer for this. I wasn't too scared. It was really lovely. It's uh, going to be set for world premiere on the 8th of October at the London Film Festival and then set for a general release on Netflix in November. It's a... Obviously, as you said, there are no strangers to success down there. They've five Academy nominations in recent times, Songs of the Sea, The Secret um, of Kells and Breadwinner um, are some of the feature films that they've done. And obviously Puffin' and Rock, which is on TV for our kids. Um, the Nora Toomey has directed this one. There's a great um, voice cast for uh, for My Father's Dragon includes Chris O'Dowd, Alan Cumming, Quippy Goldberg, Ian McShane and Jacob Tremblay, which uh, people will know as the voice of Luca and uh, this boy is also going to be the voice of uh, Sebastian on The Little Mermaid next year. Um, uh, I think it's in 2023 that's coming out. Um, so it's about a little boy who's struggling to cope with life um, in a mo- when he moves to the city with his mum and he young- runs away to a wild Island, where a dragon is waiting to be rescued. It's very cute, yeah. and it'll appeal to lots of little people. Um, and it's out in November.
0: Yeah, no, but it's a credit to them. Actually, cartoons alone have a new movie coming out. It's a big deal, you know, because they have such a a, yep. a rep now around the world. They uh, really do have a massive reputation. And Star Trek Four, the movie. Was never going to happen, really, but they kind of said it was going to happen, but they didn't tell any of the actors. That's, yeah. That seems
3: to be so, the gist of it. So, Star Trek has been removed from Paramount's planned film lineup for um, next year. So, it was due for release on December twenty third, but it seems to be fraught with all different types of uh, things happening, including um, the director Matt Shakman uh, running or leaving production for the movie. Um, it does sound kind of like unavoidable that things have halted here because. Um, He's obviously the director behind WandaVision series and the announcement that he was walking away from production from Star Trek came on the same day as the Emmy nomination for One Division, but apparently none of the original cast of the 2016 movie ha- like Chris Pine etc had signed up for this next instalment um, so that's a bit uh, hazy there Um. so the new film is off the schedule and it's obviously one of Paramount's most valuable uh, franchises but you can get loads of uh, Star, f- uh, Star oh, Trek Oh there's it's millions it's like, of them There's millions now, of them yeah, yeah. There's, there's, there, and yeah. they're all apparently on Paramount Plus but this uh, unless they obviously get a new director which I'm sure they will and they get the stars to, to sign up uh, this is halted for now
0: Yeah because you know, I I, I, cause I remember reading that, that Chris Pine particularly had asked for more money and they'd said no uh, right. and so it was stalled but then all of a sudden Paramount said yep we're going ahead with filming and, yeah. and all the actors were are we? I didn't know that. I'm I haven't sure it signed really anything, happened, but it's you know, just a case. Of... I haven't packed a bag. Yeah, that's kind <laughs> of putting a stroke though. Do they do that kind of thing a lot to try and yeah, maybe force? Sometimes some... I
1: think a big problem there as well was that Chris Hemsworth was in the first Star Trek. Was in the first Chris Pine Star Trek for about ten minutes, and the idea for the fourth film was to have him back for the entire film playing Kirk's dad. So Pine and Hemsworth right. together would cost around 30, 35 million. Wow, and Ouch. they haven't got that money to pay. They they can only afford one leading man, but they want to move forward with that story, so they can't afford them.
0: No film. Yeah, Just Star Trek, the Star Trek movies, I mean, did they make a lot of money anyway? No,
1: no, no, the last one didn't. I think the last one was a bit of a, a disappointment. But at the same time, it shouldn't be that difficult to make a Star Trek film. It has a bi- You have a built-in audience there. You, you can, do,
0: but even like, you know, the previous, you know, when they were like, oh, like, oh, basically clinically obese running around the Enterprise and <laughs> in the last that section. That none of those made money either. No, no, Star no.
1: Trek, no. Star Trek at the, at, the, uh, at the cinema has never been a huge uh, money spinner, but there might be interest now. It, but anyway, look, there's loads of Star Trek on telly. There are loads of new Star Trek series. Yeah. On oh, God, you. yeah. You'd be thinking sick of them
0: at this stage of the game. Right, okay, you are listening to the Marm Show on Talk. We will take a break. Uh, back with more movies and booze after this. Movies and booze. I'm Moncrief on News Talk. Uh, anyway, we'll move on to our second movie of the day. It is a Hocus Pocus 2. Here's a clip. We are
3: wasting time. Yeah. We must fly. Fly. On what? <sighs> Just like my old <laughs> one.
1: well, what about us? There's only one? That's the
3: Beatles. Find something, anything. We must anything. fly! Anything. <laughs> My broomies are misbehaving.
2: Uh-oh. Winnie! I'm surfing, cowabunga. <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Winnie! One <laughs> holy dance-off I'll do it. Uh, They were the only broomies left. The man said, be careful, they have a mind of their own. He's right.
3: <laughs> Stop it. Sit. Just us. focus. We must fly to our ancestral cottage. Get booked. And brew our potion.
2: Then what, Winnie? Then what? Then we run amok and Ah, muck Oh, muck, 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 muck. Stop it. It. Don't make me come over there with this brew.
0: Well, I didn't understand a word of that. So, <laughs> uh, um, yeah, as we were saying before, maybe in hindsight the first one has a rosy glow around it.
1: Yeah, I don't think the people who say who tell me quite often that the first film is great, even believe that the first film is great. You know, <laughs> colleagues have been talking to me about this this week and we were talking about the fact that I think it's more the nostalgic buzz around it, you know, and how you felt as a child when you were watching it. Um, and I'm 34 and I was thinking to myself, I was pro- I was four when this when the first uh, Hocus Pocus came out. So I probably would have seen it when I was maybe seven or eight. I didn't watch it when I was four. But regardless of what I am, I think people now in their late 30s and early 40s are the people who have been pushing for a sequel because mm. they want to recreate that warm glow that they felt when <laughs> they were Watching the first or
0: unwilling one. children to this, <laughs> yeah.
1: And I saw Sarah Jessica Parker on the uh, on the red carpet um, during the week uh, during the film's premiere, saying that you know this film is 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 uh, you know it's been delightful to get back to the fans. who have been pushing for a sequel, but also fans and Hocus Pocus fans. Well, I won't go into it, but fans can now watch it with their kids, maybe. But mm. that's not that's not what the film. That's not what the sequel was supposed to be for. I thought maybe the, the the people pushing for 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 a sequel, it was supposed to be for them. And I wish that maybe the sequel would have you know leaned into that, you know, embraced the fact that there's an older audience watching us But anyway, we're, we're essentially getting the same story again. It's a copy and paste job. You know, it's Halloween night. It's 29 years since the first Hocus Pocus, since the Wicked Sanderson sisters. You know, if you haven't seen the first one, it is essentially 17th century witches resurrected, by some black candle by some virgin teenagers and that bit is very important actually Sean uh, they are resurrected they are brought back for one night on All Hallows' Eve and they cause mayhem that is essentially what's happening this time again they're you know fresh dull teenagers there's a you know a, a dim witted magic shop owner there is a, a, a creepy mare who has a thing for caramel apples I don't want to get into that uh, the, the Sanderson sisters are resurrected and they kind of do everything in their power and they have an awful lot of power to stay alive you know come the 1st of November yeah. So it is essentially the same film again. And I'm thinking after this amount of time, it's been twenty nine years, could somebody not have taken a, a fresher approach to the screenplay? I think I think, you know, yourself and myself, Sean, could have written a <laughs> stronger <always> focus <laughs> sequel.
0: But they had, but, but presumably this is, you know, this is a case of, of producers going, no, it had the first film had X, Y, and Z, in it, and we're going to have X, Y, Z in it again because that's what they're rocking up to see.
1: Yeah, it took them long enough though. When the first film came out, uh, the first *Hocus Pocus* made the uh, stupid mistake of releasing itself in the summer of 1993, so nobody went to see a Halloween movie in the summer of 1993. And it picked up wobbly reviews. It picked up wobbly or box office returns. It was not a hit by any means whatsoever. But when it landed on Disney Channel, when it landed on cable in America, when and it landed on video store shelves it flew off and it was rented by you know the millions and people, ah, it became, right. a, 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 you know, a family classic, even though, you know, as I say, the, the review said it all. This is quite a ramshackle affair. This doesn't really seem to know what it's at. The jokes aren't that funny. Nobody really knows who this thing is, is for. And that's a problem that this second film has. The whole time I was watching it, I was thinking, you fools, you've brought the band back together, but you've forgotten to tune their instruments. You have sh- You should have leaned in to the fact that there are now people my age or maybe in their 40s watching this thing. It, you know, lace it with, with adult oriented humor. Be a bit edgy with it. Be a bit risky. And every now and then, it leans into it. But then it comes back out and it's thinking, oh no, we have to be a kids film. We have to be a kids film. And a lot of the jokes are airless and joyless. You know, you have you, you have the Sanderson sisters breaking into song as they did the first time, and then you have all these supporting players. You know, trying to work out what's going on in the plot because that's what you that's what you're feeling while you're watching. You're thinking, where is the plot? What's 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 going on? And also the visuals. It doesn't look finished, Sean. It, oh. it all looks as though... I, the whole time I was watching it, I was thinking, "Where Disney have all the money in the world. Why does this look as though it was shot out at the back of someone's garden? Why <laughs> do, why does it look unfinished? And oh. it just, it constantly screams, will this do? And I was just shouting back at the telly saying, no, it won't. It's so lazy.
0: Yeah, is this a cinema release or a Disney Plus It's a job? Disney
1: Plus release. And, yeah. uh, and we're, we're getting an awful lot of that with their live action uh, uh, stuff at the minute. Whether they are doing something huge like Robert Zemecki's Pinocchio with Tom Hanks, whether it's something, you know, as in demand, as inexplicably in demand as, as, as Hocus Pocus 2 is, or even something like uh, 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 an awful lot of their, you know, you know the way they keep remaking, as I said, Pinocchio. They keep yeah. remaking all of the, the old Disney classics. They're dumping them on Disney Plus, And I don't know why that is, because they probably could have stood to, to have made, you know, a fortune out of Hocus Pocus. Focus too, because the interest is there but it's a terrible terrible film I mean it's got good luck to you good luck to you you, you you seem to be having fun
0: you know putting the, <laughs> putting the outfits back on
1: and playing those characters again but it's useless Sean
0: Wow, you're not sitting on the fence on that one, that's <laughs> that's pretty. But maybe they put it straight onto Disney+, Plus because uh, that's, you know, the, the parents can go, oh, come here, little Tommy, and, you know, wrestle them onto the couch and turn on the telly yeah. before Tommy can do anything about it. Oh, but I
1: wouldn't be surprised if even senior Tommy now is sitting there kind of going, where are the jokes? Where's the story? Why is the CGI so wobbly? What has happened here? Why did they just essentially remake the first one? If you're going to remake the first why bother? Just watch the first one again.
0: Yeah. So is this on Disney Plus t- from today? or From what? today, from yeah. today. Good luck with it. God help us all. Actually, on on the same in the same vein, Beverly Hills Cops. Beverly Hills Cop 4 yeah, Mother of God
3: I know well at least there's only been 4 it's not like Halloween where there's been 13 or 14 okay that's true yeah so but at this one (laughs) that's
0: that's a mark of quality now (laughs) in in Hollywood
3: (laughs) yeah so uh, Kevin Bacon is joining the cast of the next upcoming Beverly Hills Cop movie we don't have a release date yet it's the fourth movie obviously in the franchise it's spanning 40 years now the first Beverly Hills Cop was in 1984 Um, Eddie Murphy obviously is back as axel foley and i believe the title of the foley or, or the title of the movie is beverly hills cop axel foley and he's come back to california to solve uh, a murder of his childhood friend that's basically the the detail of the movie so mm. far um so uh, yeah like it, it's in production and it's going to be on netflix so it's not even right. going to the big okay. screen it's Same going to again. netflix yeah so the wa- they did try and make a tv series of beverly hills cop in the, like 2012 Never really made it to air, um, and they, but this is a is a movie, and I think there's that's like it's a big lineup of um, actors. But uh, Kevin Bacon is a really good addition to this. I love
0: him. Have, have the streamers effectively are they murdering the cinema industry? Yes. Sounds
1: like it, bit yes. by bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Scott Mendelson, that variety there was writing this week. He's a box office analyst who I follow. Uh, he was writing about the fact that an awful lot of films from our youth are getting these huge remakes or reboots or sequels legacy sequels that otherwise would have gone straight to video or straight to DVD and the money that's being pumped into them even though you can't see it in the likes of Hocus Pocus, maybe it's gone to paint the Stars is so big that you know the backside's going to fall out of this eventually it's just streamers are just like trying to bring back everything from our youth people are staying at home and watching these things and they're not going to see films and cinemas and mm. it, there's just too much money being spent on things that people aren't watching nobody's going I to I, I can't who's going to be excited about it you know Beverly Hills Cop 4
0: yeah well I suppose people Chicken.
1: who like no. Beverly Hills can't
0: <laughs> right? uh, well. uh, um, but like at the same time uh, while that's going on and they'll be throwing money at this for a while yet then like cinemas will start to close and then when you know uh, the inevitable happens and a few of the streamers go bust and then people emerge from their houses in, 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 into the, into the and blinking into the light yeah. there'll be nowhere to go
1: mm. no we've only had to talk
0: to each other yeah <laughs> God, it's all very depressing, isn't it? Uh, If Beverly Hills uh, Cop is as much fun as coming to America, can't wait, says JD. Yeah, coming to America. Okay, Uh, we'll just leave a gap there, JD. (laughs) We'll just leave a little moment of silence it's during this piece of silence, we're all embarrassed for you. That's what's going on there. Right, uh, Dean, let's uh, talk about our second
2: beer of the day. Okay, so Anger Barish Pills. So uh, this is a classic German pills. It's a lager, and the term lager is a German word. It means to store or to age. So it's a beer that has been stored or aged over a long period of time. Uh, now, again, uh, Pilsner is a style. All of the mainstream beers are effectively emulating Pilsners or, or uh, Hellas or Pilsner. So, and most people kind of think that lagers originate in Germany. Uh, this style is a style that originates in the Czech Republic. So the first uh, Pilsner came from the town of Pilsen, uh, because it means from Pilsen. Um, <laughs> that and, makes sense. <laughs> and uh, that's a town in the Czech Republic. Uh, now, there's a bit of uh, consternation between the Germans and the Czechs because the the Czechs uh, nicked a German brewer and brought him to uh, to Pilsen to brew this beer for them. It was brewed as a kind of a, a, a community initiative. In was their, this like their 17th
0: century kidnapping? 1842. Yeah, yeah
2: 1842 okay, gotcha, was yeah. What it first was. Uh, and the first German uh, pills then would have been in 1890 in Bitburg Uh, so Bitburger would have been the first uh, in the German pill style now with this uh, classic German pills so uh, golden in colour got really good character even though it's very easy drinking so there's nice kind of sweet malt biscuit mar- marshmallow it's well balanced with bitterness and then there's a little bit of spice a bit of white pepper going on as well a little bit of fruit flavor so strawberry pips apple juice um, coming in the in the finish but very very nicely balanced it's got a slightly long finish in it so when you drink it it's very refreshing it's very easy drinking but the flavor kind of lasts there for a period of time it just doesn't 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 disappear mm, very yeah, quickly, which yeah. is kind of the difference between a, a, a mainstream beer. A lot of the, the mainstream beers are designed to be sessionable. They're designed to finish quickly because if they finish quickly, you tend to pick up your glass and have another Do sip it again. Yes. and and keep on drinking it. So it's, it's got a little bit more of a finish. And in terms of the order of the beers, generally I go for the uh, from the less intense beer to the more intense beer. And my general rule would be go from the paler coloured beers to the darker coloured beers because usually darker coloured beers would uh, have more intensity but the length on this is quite long and because of the bitterness in it that bitterness can carry in so reverse the order with these two. Oh right, um, okay I see what the, you're the saying The yeah. Pils first instead yeah. of, the, of the Dunkel
0: Yeah that's, uh, very, uh, What's the ABV on these
2: two beers by the way? 5.3% Yeah, on the it's not really special <laughs> <laughs> 5.1% on the uh, Meisel's Dunkel Okay, alright so yeah, keep yeah, a stretcher so handy uh, that's, uh, <laughs> that, that's the advice on that one
0: And uh, last but certainly not least, because I'm saving this to last because I know you're uh a... a huge Peaky Blinders fan. Obviously, the series has, has finished. What more... In what ways are they planning to absolutely ruin it?
3: Yes, and they continue to uh, to do that because, like, I loved Peaky Blinders, but now there's a Peaky Blinders experience and now it's on the stage over in England. It's on tour where you can, um, be, you know, watch it on the stage. Is it like um, a musical? Yes, a musical. And there's going to be a... <laughs> it's Whoa, called, hang on, they're singing as they're slashing
0: each other with razor it's, blades. Well,
3: it's... it's Peaky Peaky Blinders, The Redemption of Tommy Shelby, but it kind of focuses in on the first to third series and his love affair, particularly his love affair with Grace, obviously, which is, they're my favourite parts of the whole uh, series. Um, And it is going to be made into a movie. Um, Production for that hasn't started yet, but it's hoped that it's going to be a cinema release in 2024 and that'll obviously pack cinemas up and down the country. Um, But Steve Knight, the uh, producer and creator of um, Peaky Blinders, says that that's where his uh, creative... um, uh, influence over the whole franchise will stop with, with the movie and anything else that happens after that um, you know will be by somebody else but he is uh, he he loves the idea of the stage um, show and he's been part of that and he says that if you love um, uh, Strictly Come Dancing that you'll love this so um <laughs> which I don't know is why of, I can't I see know. Strictly fans um, being also
0: Peaky Blinders yeah. fans
3: <laughs> <laughs> but look it, it, it just continues it runs and runs and they're making a lot of money out of it and people still love to see that stuff. You right. Know, so. and when
0: is that movie uh, due to come out? I suppose. 2024.
3: 2024.
0: Okay. Yes. All right. Yeah. Well, we'll see about that. Uh, we'll, we will see we'll about that. We'll see about that. that. <laughs> we'll say, well, you know, it might be, might be fantastic. Right. Uh, that's our lot uh, for today. Thanks to Christine uh, and Annette, our production team today. Uh, Ashling Moore, Aoife Breen, Michael Quilligan, and Hugo De Silva. There are a couple now. Kieran's up next on News Talk. We'll talk to you on Monday at 2. See you then. Movies and Booze. I'm Moncrief on news talk